Lord Jesus, as we have not simply reenacted a day, a week, where you both had palms thrown before your feet and you were crucified all in a short period of time. We've not just reenacted it, Lord, we have spiritually reconnected with it. May my words be of you. May my words glorify you, blessed Savior. And all of God's people said, Amen. As we get ready to open God's word today, I want to especially welcome anyone who might be visiting today. If you came today not knowing it was Palm Sunday, then it might be a little bit of a shock to you. Because for those of us who live out an ancient tradition of, yes, walking a processional walk, and yes, living through a crucifixion again, for us it is not just simply a matter, as I said in my prayer, of recalling those historical memories but spiritually living it. That we literally believe we connect (laughs) through the centuries to what happened, yes, at a time. That yes, cloaks and palms and hosannas were sung, and yes, the same people yelled crucify him. So if you're visiting with us today, It's a whole lot to take in, but I beg you, just bear with it long enough to take it in, to to fully embrace it, to fully perhaps enjoy the richness of living this whole story again. It's a day that we believe starts a week of holiest of weeks, a day that uh, now I've got to tell you, in almost 40 years of ministry, I, I, uh, I have seen more lives changed during, during Holy Week than any other week of the year. And I want to talk about that a little bit. Once again, if you're visiting, I'm Bishop Clark Lowenfield, and I am really thankful to be able to be here today. If you're not familiar with what a bishop is, he's sort of the spiritual granddaddy of a family known as the diocese. And every church belongs to a diocese and St. Timothy's, this family belongs to the diocese of the Western Gulf Coast and I'm sort of the spiritual granddad. And so it's a great joy to be here. But as I think back over what we are getting ready to enter into, I see so many lives that I know get changed this week. I have seen grown men cry on Palm Sunday and on Good Friday. I've seen grown men cry when they begin to realize and when they begin to connect the reality that Jesus' horrific, say that word with me, horrific death 
there was a reason why the Romans crucified criminals. There was no more degradating death that could be had. And I've seen grown men cry when they realize that Jesus did that for them, for the forgiveness of their sins, sins that they absolutely believed or had come to believe in their life were unforgivable. I have seen even grown men weep. That when we realize that God really did mean the words, he so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son to the end that all that believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. He really meant it. He really means it now for you, for your life, for your marriage, for your family. These are not just words, platitudes. They are real. I have seen older people in the latter years of their life during this day and during this week come to a peace that they'd never had in their entire lives when they realized they didn't have to keep carrying the burdens of their sin. I've seen lives change. Because of not just a message, but what this week spiritually connects to. I recalled recently one, a sermon that one of my favorite preachers, Alistair Begg, was very fond of preaching a few years ago. I don't know if he still, I don't know if Alistair still preaches a sermon, but it's, 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 it was a sermon he called The Fellow on the Third Cross. used to tell the story, wouldn't it be great if one day we could talk to the man on the third cross? You know, the man Jesus told he would be with him in paradise even that day. Wouldn't it be amazing if you could talk to him? Find out what it was like to all of a sudden be with Jesus in paradise that day? If you could talk to him and ask him, how did that shake out for you? What was your experience? After all, one minute you were cussing the guy out in the middle with your friend, and you had never been to a Bible study, you had never gotten baptized, you, you didn't know a thing about church membership, and yet you made it. You made it. How did you make it? Beg goes on to say, that's surely what the angel at the gate must have asked. You can hear him now facing the criminal, the third man on the cross. What are you doing here? I don't know, the man might have said. What do you mean you don't know? Because I don't know. Well, I can imagine that the angel might have been awkward. Mm. Um, hmm, hmm, let me get my supervisor. And the angel at the gate might have gone and gotten his supervisor, and the supervisor might come back, and he might say, uh, we've got just a few questions for you. 
are you sure you're clear on the doctrine of justification? I've never heard of it in my life, the thief would have said. Well, then let's go to the doctrine of salvation or the doctrine of Scripture. And then finally, the supervisor angel blurts out, what are you doing here? And the thief slowly answers, the man on the middle cross said I could come. You see, the reason why the church relives this week is to remind us that the man on the middle cross, Jesus, has said, you, 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 and you, and you can come. That by his stripes of blood, you and I have been healed. Healed of the brokenness. Healed of the sin of stain. Made whole again. Because as Jesus said, it is accomplished, it is finished. You too can have the hope that you have been longing for. You too can have a peace that passes all understanding. You too can have a life that is so different than maybe what you're living now. And I must say, though I strongly believe in Bible studies and I strongly believe in Sunday school and I strongly believe in all those disciplines that we live out in our life, that nonetheless, all of those things pale in comparison to what this week is about. But here's something I'm very realistic about. In any group of people gathered, old and young, new to the faith and old in the faith, in any group of people gathered, there are some people here today who have never permitted yourself to fully accept that what Jesus did, that horrific death, was for you. They've never fully accepted that he suffered that shameful death for you. Because of you. Have you ever wondered why people refuse something that is so powerful and so life-changing and so world-changing? Have you ever wondered why people don't accept it? Just fall down right now and say, yes, Lord, thank you. Thank you. 
thank you. Is it because they don't want to face the brokenness in their life, the sin in their life? The sin that actually nailed Jesus to that cross? Of course. Is it because they can't believe that a loving God would do such a thing to his son? Of course. Is it because they don't want to accept that Jesus, when he said it was finished and accomplished, he meant it? That it really was accomplished and finished? And that there was nothing more you were going to be able to do? Say the word nothing. Nothing more that you were going to be able to do to ever win God's favor. That it's been done. That he did it. Is it because you can't believe that there still isn't something more that you have to do? That there isn't something in your self-salvation project, some checklist, some, some aspect that it, you don't still have to do in order to receive this hope and joy and peace and love and strength and courage and anything else that God brings to you. There's got to be something else that you have to do. Because after all, you and I are doers. We believe that we've got to have something to do in order to earn anything. And the idea that we would have not earned this in any way, shape, or form is beyond our comprehension. And I'm sure there are many other reasons why some people who have heard this message over and over and over again in their lives have still not accepted it. But I believe there is a reason more common than almost all of them. A reason that any of us really don't want to admit Many don't want to fully accept and embrace what Jesus' death means for them because they are frightened deep down inside, frightened in places they don't want to admit to anyone, frightened maybe even to admit to themselves that if they fully accepted this reality, that they would have to change. That such a sacrifice, such a horrific death, would call for some kind of response, call for some kind of thank you. And most of us don't want to change. Most of us don't want to change. Part of the message of this week 
is that yes, the response, the change that comes in a life that comes and realizes the grace that has been given them by God, grace unearned, grace undeserved, that yes, the response is not so much something you have to do. It's something you have to be. Let yourself be in his presence. Let yourself this week, going to the various services, hear what he has to say to you. And and I'm going to give you a little homework this week. If you would like the hope that I'm talking about, if you would like the peace that I'm talking about, if you would like the, the wisdom to make some decisions you're trying to make, if you would like the healing that I'm talking about, if you would like the restoration of your marriage that I'm talking about, if you would like fill in the blank, then I'm going to give you a little homework. T- 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 take out your Bible pews, your, your, your pew Bibles for a minute. Okay, should be somewhere near you. Turn to page 921. For those who have your own Bible, praise the Lord. And you can turn to Philippians 2. You heard part of Philippians 2 read today is our lesson. I'm going to read just a few more verses, and this is homework that I'm asking you to take home today. Don't, well, you, I was about to say don't take the pew Bible home, but absolutely, if you need a Bible, take that pew Bible home, and I will replace any of them, Father. So, I want you to imagine that you've come to the reality of what Jesus actually did for you on a cross. And I want you at the beginning of chapter 2 to hear Paul say, so if there's any encouragement in this reality, if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort in love, if you have any comfort in love in what God has done for you, because he loves you so much. If you have any participation in the Holy Spirit, which you do, by the way, if you have been baptized, if you have any affection or sympathy, Paul says, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind amongst yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, you see, 
God has highly exalted him, glorified him, honored him, and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. If you dare, and I say that with all love, with all the love, agape love I can muster for you today, I say, if you dare, look at these verses every day this week and ask God what He is saying to you, what he wants you to hear through these verses this week. I'll finish with one more story. I mentioned to you I've seen grown men cry on Palm Sunday. Years ago, I saw a grown man cry on a Palm Sunday morning, and because I was their pastor, I knew that their marriage had been in shambles for years. These were people who fought all of the time. These were people who hated each other. And the Sunday I saw that grown man cry and God pierce his heart, I realized I needed to ask him to read these same verses that I just appointed to you for this week. And so I did. And I watched on Monday, Thursday of that week as he washed his wife's feet with his tears. I watched a marriage restored that I never dreamt could have been restored. Because those are the kind of things that our God does. And especially he does them during this week. Lord Jesus, I I pray right now I pray for anyone, first of all, that has never heard you say, come. Has never heard what that thief on the third cross heard when he said, you can come. And I pray for any life, Lord, today that is struggling to believe that, any life that is struggling to know deep down into the marrow of their spiritual souls, Lord, I pray that they would come to know you even today. And for any of the rest of us, Lord, that just simply need to refresh our spirits in the reality of what you've done 
for us. Let it be so. And all of God's people said,